Amen. I say hello from the south. Y'all doing okay? Amen. Now, uh, let me say this. This this is going to get me into the message tonight. I had to go a different way with this because I was asking for for 10 minutes to give this. And now I get to preach. That's what I was hoping for. Amen. I can do that too. But anyway, uh, I want you to to help me pray about something. I got saved in 1984. 1984. I am uh, I am an Air Force brat. My dad was stationed right here at Andrews Air Force Base. 21 years we were in the Air Force. Okay, 21 years, I was, we traveled everywhere. For the first 21 years, well, first, let's see, first 17 years of my life spent traveling in the Air Force here and there. Spent most of the time here in, in Dunkirk, Maryland, about an hour and 15 minutes from here. And uh, I made a lot of friends, made a lot of friends and, and uh my dad retired, and I was going to stay behind with a friend and finish my senior year out at Northern High School, uh, right there. Uh, I lost right there in the Huntingtown area, right there, Owens area. And uh, right there, the two days before, I decided to go with them. Okay, so I left, went to. Uh, Easley, South Carolina. My dad is from Pickens, South Carolina. Okay, that's where they're from. That's where he retired. I went to Pickens High School my senior year. Got married when I was se- uh, 1978, and I was 18 years old. My wife was, let's see, I was 20 years old. My wife was 18. And uh, just doing my own thing, and I got into the transmission business. And I, and I told myself, I said, Self, I said, you're going to have the biggest transmission shop in the Tri-County area. And that's what I set out to do. And I was doing it. I mean, I, I was making money. Money. I had money in my pockets. <laughs> I did. If I saw a motorcycle I liked, I got it. My wife said no, but I got it and kept it over at Daddy's. <laughs> and, and I did get caught. But through the years, a lot of things happened in my life. And this man and this woman kept inviting me and my wife to church. So I told her one, one Saturday, and this is the way I said it. I said, Kathy, we're going to church in the morning. At that little church over here in Easley, just so Eddie and Rachel will shut their mouths and leave us alone. So we'll go one service, and that's it. And we're done with this stuff. My grandma drug me to church every time I came down here to stay. I told them up here, I said, I have a drug problem. When I go down there, I have a drug problem. They drag me to church every time the doors open. And uh, I didn't like it. I didn't like going to church. You know why I didn't like going to church? It wasn't saved. I was lost. So we walked in that little old church and for preaching time and we sat down and I told us, now remember, this service and we're out of here. No more church. 
It's interference, interfering with my business, interfering with what I want to do. So we went in there and sat down about three quarters of the way back in that little church. And Roger Todd got up, the pastor, and he started preaching. I'm not talking about running a poem and this and that and talking. I mean, he preached. He started preaching. And I told my wife, I said, he looks just like one of the Beatles. (laughs) He combed his hair straight down all the way around. And he started preaching. And I said, what in the world is wrong with this guy? I said, he's crazy. These people are crazy. I said, baby, when we get out of here, we're getting in our Toyota, and we're going home, and we come back to this place. I can't believe I even came this time. So we were sitting at the house, and we just finished eating, and I was watching a little bit of football, and my curiosity got the best of me. I told my wife, Kathy, I said, I tell you what, go, go get April and Alicia ready, and we're going to go back just one more time. She said, why do you want to go one more time? I said, I want to I see how that ends. I want to see if he can do that again at nighttime like he did in the morning. He's got enough strength. So we went, and we sat down, and the choir got to singing. And something else happened that didn't happen that morning. They got to shouting and raising their hands. And one guy, he just run up the aisle and run back and sat down. And I looked at my wife, I said, yep, they're crazy. (laughs) I said, I cannot believe we're back in this church. So a month of that went on. And I was sitting in church one Sunday, and my pastor, some of you may know this evangelist. I know Brother Shifflett knows him. Uh, Brother Roy Goodson showed up. And my pastor said, Brother Roy Goodson's going to run a revival for us. And I thought, what in the world's that? And he said, well, it's going to be Monday through Friday. And I looked at my wife. I said, we've got to come to church five nights straight. <laughs> Not me. i got to work. We didn't miss a night. This is my life, and I'm, I'm getting to something. Y'all, y'all pay attention, I'm getting to something. Don't say, well, he's born. Just hold on. I'll get to something. Uh, and so, Roy Goodson got up the first service, and he said what he had to say about, thank you for this, that, and that, and this, you know, preachers do. And, and uh, he said, I want to preach on, are you looking good? Are you looking good? And I thought, hey, I looked in the mirror, I looked pretty good. My wife looks good. And he started preaching. You know what I found out? I wasn't looking good. I wasn't looking good. And I left that church that night, or that Sunday, and we went out, and I said, babe, you're going to drive. She said, why am I driving? I said, well, I just don't feel like it. And I said, when you leave the parking lot, go right, don't go left. She said, why are we going right? That's a long way around. I said, yeah, I want to take the long way tonight. I mean, today. The reason being, you turn left, you go across a little old river, a creek-like thing. <clears throat> and I done got under conviction. And I thought, you know what, that Toyota, 
Something might happen and that car flip off in that water. You know, I ain't looking good. And if I drown, I'm going to hell. So I'll let her drive. Okay. He preached all that week. I didn't hear. I didn't, that was Sunday. I didn't hear Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, or Friday night. I couldn't tell you what he preached on. Could not tell you the, the title of the message. But I know what it was on Sunday. Are you looking good? You know, we got a lot of people sitting in our church. They're not looking good. They, they know how to play the game. They know how to act like saved people. But inside, they don't have nothing. I mean, for God, they're not looking good. They're not looking good. So about two more weeks went by, and I had enough of that stuff. <clears throat> I said, one of two things going to happen. I'm going back to the house, forget about this stuff, or I'm going to do something about it. So I went to church that morning, my pastor got up and preached his heart. I mean, he, you ever heard Roger Todd preach? He can preach. I mean, he's, he, he plows. He hits a rock, puts her in diesel, pops it up and gets going. Amen. And so, we're standing there in the church, and he's preaching. I am, I'm not hearing a word he's saying. I just know he's preaching. I got one thing on my mind. I'm not looking good. The next thing I heard, folks, was this. The invitation. Is there someone here this morning that does not know Jesus as your Savior? And I had a hold of the back of that pew, and you heard him say, when knuckles get white. I know what it is. Because I had a hold of it. And I got big hands. I got big hands. He said, here's what he said. He said, if you'll come, Jesus will help you. You know, come is the softest word in the Bible. You can be loud and then stop and say, would you come? See that? You feel that? Boy, the Holy Ghost got a hold of my heart. And here's what I said. I told my wife, I said, I'm not going to die and go to hell for nobody. Amen. And I made a right out and aisle, went up, got in that altar, and asked Jesus to come in my heart and save Gary Gwynn. That was on March 11th, 1984. 37 years ago. On September the 15th of that same year, God called me to preach. I thought I had to get saved again. That's what it felt like. I was about to die. I said, my pastor, the Bible says I'm saved forever. What's this feeling? And Brother Roger said, you'll soon find out. And I've been preaching 37 years, and sometimes I wish that I never found out. But I did. <clears throat> and I said this. I said, God, I ain't never stood before nobody in my life and said three words. I said, but if you can use me, I'm empty of myself. Here I am. And I honestly thought that we would be going missionaries to the Philippines. I've been there twice in the Air Force. Or I was going, coming back here. I want to say, but I'm not in. You know, come here. Or I said, we're going to Dunkirk, Maryland. We're going to start a church. Wasn't no good churches to go to when I was raised around here. I didn't know this area or Anything like that, but you had to drive 35, 45 minutes on a school bus to get to go to church. And my dad wasn't going to let that happen. No. Okay. So I went to Tabernacle Baptist Bible College, spent three, three years there. 
And uh, <clears throat> the dean, Dr. Clark, got up and says, anybody in the chapel here know what God has for you to do? And I raised my hand. And I looked around, there's only two of us. And the whole chapel was packed and preacher. I thought, oh man, I've done, done something wrong. And he said, all right, Brother Gwen, what? He said, I, I said, I know God's going to, I'm going to be a pastor. God's already let me know that. Where, I don't know yet. But I think it's going to be Philippines or, or Maryland. Okay? When it was all said and done, I graduated on a Friday night, and I started seven miles away where I am now. Been there 30 years. Just doesn't seem like it. Okay, I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 and 27. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 and 27. And while you're turning, I want you to help me pray for all those I went to school with at Northern High. Okay, and I'll show you what in just a minute. The Bible says, says, be ye angry. What's the next three words? And sin not. Let not, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Look here, 27. Neither give place to the devil. That's what it says, right? That's what it said. Now, all throughout the Bible, the Bible speaks of steadfastness. Be ye steadfast. Be ye steadfast. Okay? We, we, we think about Caleb. We think about Shema. And, and we think about the Lord Jesus Christ. He was steadfast. Went to Calvary. Died for us. All that. Steadfast. Our examples. Now look at this. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 58. You don't have to turn. Listen to this. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, who's it talking to? All right, say, here it is. Be ye steadfast, comma, unmovable, comma, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for much as you know, for as much as you know, that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Okay? In the Lord. Now, back in Ephesians 4, verse 27, it says this, Neither give place, place, place it, place to the devil. I got to looking that up one day. The place. Okay? Now, that word, that word place comes from a Greek word. And it, that Greek word is, is topos. We get that word from the, the word topography. Topography. I'm going somewhere. And what that means and what that refers to is a piece of ground. Okay? A small piece of ground. Now, in other words, the Bible is directing us, instructing us, and telling us that we are to uh, not give the devil any ground whatsoever, whatsoever, in our lives. No ground. And then what it says? He said give no place, right? He didn't say you could give part of it, part of your life or 
How many of you would just give your kids to the devil? If you, if you say, well, I would, you, you're crazy. You're not right with God. Okay? Now, God's plan is this. God's plan is for us, all of us here, is that we learn to stand our ground instead of giving up. Now listen, we are living in a time, I live in the buckle of the Bible belt. And I'm telling you what, it's hard to pastor in Pickens County. Sometimes I feel like we're keepers of aquariums. Okay, you go to a revival meeting, there's four or five of you members used to go to your church. You go to another church, there's two or three used to go to your church. It's all over the county. Okay, you can leave and go any direction from my church and be at another church in three minutes. It's all over. And a lot of churches, Brother Bailey, a lot of churches in our area came from splits. Do you know why a split happens in the church? Somebody's given up some ground somewhere. Somebody has given up some ground. Okay? So I got to thinking about that piece of ground. And uh, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 2.11, says this. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us. For we are not ignorant of his devices. Did you see that? For we are not ignorant of his devices. Okay? So... That word advantage right there. I looked it up. Just, in, just looked it up as we were studying. That word advantage means this. I found this word, and I like this word. That word advantage, it means beachhead. Beachhead. Okay? A beachhead is a little piece of ground from which the enemy can launch assaults against every other area in someone else's life. And automatically we think of the enemy. The enemy has the beachhead. Well, I want to tell you something. Who's our enemy? The devil. So can we not have beachheads? So I went and asked my dad. I said, Dad... I've been looking up, studying advantage, and come up with this word, beachheads. He said, son, that's a little piece of ground they'll take over, and they fight you from that ground. And the only way to win is to overtake the beachhead, and it's hard to do. You've got to be alert all the time. All the time, or the enemy will take your beachhead from you. And I thought, wow. Man, I'm living in that. Okay? Now, a beachhead... One of, as far as I'm concerned, is, is one of the most important beachheads I can tell you of is this, this pulpit right here and the man of God that stands behind Amen. it. You do not want to give this up. I tell my church this. If I ever get before you and I'm preaching out of something besides the King James Bible and I'm going crazy and this, crazy that, you get rid of me. Don't you leave. Stand up for your church. Stand up for your pulpit. In our area, if something happens, everybody scatters. And the one that's brought the junk in and the junky music in and all this stuff, he gets to have everything the other ones worked for for years and years. I don't understand that. So this pulpit 
is a beachhead as well as this whole building, which we call church, which houses the church of the living God. Amen or not? So if we're saved by the grace of God, there's got to be some beachheads in our lives. Got to be. Hey, mamas, you got to take care of them kids. Daddies, you got to be the leader of that home. You got to set a beachhead. And you got to watch out for the enemy because he wants your kids. He wants your wife. Okay, ladies, he wants your husband. You got to set up some beachhead. You got to work from that to fight the enemy. You know what? We're too busy fighting each other. And the enemy's laughing at us just about as much as the world's laughing at the United States right now. If I had a piece of paper, I'd tear it up too. I just feel like tearing some paper up. I'm going to find some paper. I'm going to tear some paper up. Yes, sir. When I saw him tear that paper, I said, baby, go get me some paper. I'm going to tear some up too. Yeah, I did. Look here, I got some paper. I'm going to have to redo it. This makes me feel good, amen. You got to stand for something. You got a pastor, I know him. He stands. He's not going to run. And I, listen, I've been where I'm at 30 years. It's been up, it's been down. It's been up, and now it's down. And my wife said, what are we going to do? I said, we're going to keep doing what we always know to do. We're just going to keep going. Hey, it's been down before. It's been down before. We're going to be all right. God said, if we'll do our part, he'll do his part. Amen, Amen or not? But we got to do our part. Okay? These instruments up on this stage, and anybody else that ever plays one, are beachheads. We don't want, we don't want no junky music coming in the church. I can say that here, right? We don't want no trashy music coming in the church. I had a man come in our church, and he said, Preacher, what do you think about rap music? I said, we wrap it up and throw it out. We don't like it around here. And he said, well, I got a little rapping to Amazing Grace I want to do. And I said, well, go home and do it. You ain't rapping in this church. The only rapping is going to be done me preaching, amen. That's right. Just wrap it up and throw it out. Who wants that stuff? All they're after is the beat anyway. Well, I'm getting down. I'm getting off the path. Hang on here. Okay. What we're doing, we're giving up ground in our lives, and before it's all over with, the devil's got you, the devil's got your family, and then you'll lead the church and get out of God's will and blame the man of God. Or you'll blame his wife and family or somebody else in the church. It's just happened to us. Lost 17 people. And I've been passing those people for 18 years. And some just walk out. Call them up. Well, preacher, you know how it is. I said, no, tell me. I don't understand. Well, preacher, you know. That's all you get out of them. Well, preacher, you know. Then after they get off the phone, you really find out when they start talking to everybody else. And so what those people have done, they've given up their beachhead. Okay? And they think they're doing okay where they're at. But they will find out they're not. That's what hurts me. I see what's going to happen. I know what's going to happen. I see what's going to happen to them kids. 
Okay, the one family that left our church wasn't even gone a week, and the oldest daughter moved in with her boyfriend. She said this, I'm not under preacher Gwen no more. I'll do what I want to do. How you do that hand? How you do that hand? Do it. Stand up. Stand up. Turn around and do it. Do it for me. I can't do it. Stand up. I got to grow my shirt. Show, show them how to do it. Do it. Yeah, that's it. That's right. She knows what's going on. Yeah, she did do that pretty good, didn't she? But that's the way she did. But when she's around Preacher Gwen, she knew Preacher Gwen got standards. Preacher Gwen taught her in Sunday school. Preacher Gwen preached to her for eight from the time she was born. For 20 years I preached to that youngin. Has she ever faced Preacher Gwen? No. You know why? She knows she's wrong. She knows she's wrong. She gave up her beachhead. Young girls, young ladies, you better protect yourself. I haven't seen too much of it. And young man, if you're going to date a young lady, treat her like a young lady. And by the way, if you're dating her, she ain't your property yet. And girls, I would be, you know what I'd do? I'd be careful who I gave part of my heart to. Because when you give it to somebody, that part's gone. So how do you know that? I'm standing here. I lived here. I was lost and undone. And I know what it'll do. I, I am paying for, for the after effects of sin that happened before I got saved. I watched the, I watched the devil tear my home apart right over here. 788K, 9th Avenue, Dunkirk, Maryland. I watched him do it. And I said, this don't happen in my house, in my home, and my mom and dad getting ready to... Who did we have? Nobody. Because we wasn't saved. We are doing exactly what the devil wanted us to do. Okay? We're giving up too much ground in the church. Too much ground in our homes. Too much ground on our jobs. You ought to be ashamed of yourself if you go to your job and act like they act. When I went to the job I went to, it was, I mean, wicked men there. And the man knew his men, knew how they talked, knew what they did. He called me in the office. He said, he said Preacher, you sure you want to work here? I said, I'm absolutely 100% sure as long as you give me freedom to talk to these men about Jesus. He said, you got that as long as you're talking about Jesus. And they were filthy mouths. But I brought a beachhead in there with me. And I worked from that beachhead. I'd hear them talk and use God's name in vain. And I found this little gospel track and I, I ordered me a bunch. God's name... Is not God's last name is not damn. And I took him tracks and put it in everybody, 60-something men, put it in their toolboxes, the work trucks. I, I kept up the work trucks. <clears throat> Every truck had one taped to the steering wheel every morning when they got in the truck to go to work. 
One of the lead men come to me and said, I'm going to Joe Hooper about this. I said, go ahead. I done got permission. You wasting your time. And then one of the guys in the business there that cussed all the time, he went to take a break, and I had him in the break room, and he found one. And I was down in the cage with all the bolts and nuts and all that stuff were, and counting it up. And I looked, and here he come, and he had that gospel track in his hand. I said, oh, here we go. I'm going to get my daily cussing out. Uh, didn't bother me none. When I was lost, I got cussed out all the time and done a little bit of it myself. I'm not proud of it. I'm ashamed of it. He stuck that track in that door of that cage. He said, you put this in the break room. I said, yes, sir, I didn't. I had permission to put it there. He said, does this really mean that God is Jehovah, Jehovah Jireh? The great I am. He started reading them off in that track. I said, I said, son, that's him. He said, preacher, I want to tell you I'm sorry. He said, preacher, I want to apologize. Preacher, you'll never hear these lips ever cuss God again. And he kept that track right there in the top of his box where everybody could see it. And if you cussed God around him, he'd stop and he'd, he'd, he'd let them have it. He said, preacher, Gwen gave me this track. You're going to stand here and read it. You know where it came from? It came from my beachhead. I made my mind up. Hey, I used to work in places like that. I used to be those men. Okay? And God put me in that place to have a beachhead to be a witness in that place. Too many people are working their jobs and are not being a witness. Everybody in your job or to by now have a gospel track or a gospel witness from you. If you, if you say you're saved, prove it. If you're going to tell them you're saved, prove it. Establish you a beachhead and work from that. Okay? The devil's getting our homes. He's working from his beachhead and he's doing a good job. Huh? The parental ground is being given up. The dad said, I just let the mom handle that part of it. I don't let my wife handle all of it, except to cook it and to clean the house. I tried to throw the trash in there. It didn't work. I got to take it out. But I told my wife, honey, you don't have to know. I take care of the bills. I take care of the trouble. I take care of anything that comes, and I'm not going to let you know anything that comes because it don't benefit you. I'm the one that's supposed to carry that load. My wife don't have shoulders to carry that load. This pastor's wife don't have shoulders to carry the load he has to carry. Right? How many of you love your pastor tonight? Oh, come on. How many of you love your preacher tonight? How many of you love him and his family? How many of you love your church? Hey, it is a beachhead. Work from it. Go out and tell people. Come and see what's happening at Calvary Baptist Church. Come and hear my pastor preach. He'll blister your hide with the word of God. Amen. And he, and he won't back down. Hold on, I got to do it again. Ah, it feels good. Boy, I watched that thing he did. I told okay, go get me some paper. And I said, I said, Kathy, I know that man. I know him. I've shook hands with him. I've hugged his neck. I've been in his church. I know him. I told my church, I know him. 
And they said, preacher, you know him? I said, yeah, we're tight. <laughs> then I reached, got me some paper and church tore it up. <laughs> Felt good, brother. I said, take that, devil. We ain't giving up our church to no virus. No, sir. We going to keep the doors open, amen. Hallelujah. And I'm not talking about being, you know, reckless with it. If the majority gets it, we'll calm down. Until they calm down and get over go right back at it again. Amen. Well, I feel the Holy Ghost in here tonight. Amen. It's been a long time since I tore some paper. That's my favorite message, too. You got some more? Praise God, amen. Hey, look, look. Hey, devil. Take out your old beachhead. Hey, hey, devil. Take out, amen. Hallelujah. Boy, I got a hold of that thing. I said, Daddy, you tell me the truth. He said, I'm telling you. If the right kind of enemy gets a hold of a beachhead, it's hard. It's hard to overtake it. It's hard to overtake it. It can be done. There's got to be some planning. That's what daddy works both ways, right? He said, oh, yeah. Huh? Remember Normandy? They had some beachheads. I just tell you, our, our freedom's not free. Somebody paid the price for me to have my freedom. Hey, I thank God for my dad giving 21 years of his life in the United States Air Force. Amen. He retired a master sergeant and wanted to go a little longer. My mama had cancer. For us to do that, we'd had to move to Germany. We couldn't do that with the shape she was in. So he retired, moved back home. In 1980, my mom died. I thought, that's it. My life's done. And Jesus showed up in 1984. Yeah. I know one thing, Stacy Shiflett, pastor, preacher, brother, Stacy Shiflett will not give up his preaching ground. Amen. If he does, I'm going to come up here and have to talk with him. I'm going to tear some paper in front of him. <laughs> we don't give up our preaching. Old-fashioned preaching nowadays ridiculed. Old-fashioned preaching, they try to regulate it. You can't regulate old-time, amen, worship and preaching. Just preach it like it says. Rightly divide it and preach it. Study it, get your nose in the book, get some nuggets, and go give them to your people. And they'll be so good, you only get one of them. And they're start looking at their watch. They're done. I'll give you another one tonight. I do that. Amen. And there's nobody in my church. Let me back up. About 29 years ago, a man come out, and he tried to regulate my preaching. He said, preacher, got a problem with the message today. I said, oh, here we go. And I was young. Back then, I just, I didn't want to put up no junk. I just said, don't come back. 
I would. I'm not saying I was right. I lost some good people because I just don't, I don't want to deal with you. I don't come back. That's real. And my wife, she gets says, honey, you're telling people not to come back. I said, you heard me, so I got a witness. <laughs> don't come back. So he come up to me, he said, I got a problem. I said, what is it? He said, my wife said, hurts her feeling when you mention hell in the pulpit. And I said, well, she better get ready, because this is a series. <laughs> I said, hell is going to be mentioned in the pulpit at Welcome Missionary Baptist Church, because there's sinners dying and going there. He said, well, I agree with you. And I wanted to say, well, get off your little roost and be the rooster you need to be. And I said, I'll do the crowing around here. Too much wisdom being given up. Too many, too many, too many men taking advantage of the man of God, disrespecting the man of God, and then they think they're going to stand before God and not have to pay for none of that. Well, they probably pay for it in this life. Listen, there was a preacher named Russell Bell in our area. He pastored Faith Baptist Church. Faith Baptist Church. I mean a man of God. And some of the men rose up against Brother Bell. And two men put their hands on the preacher. Put their hands on the preacher. One of them was going to strike the preacher. Those three men did not live six months. They were young men. They're dead now. They're dead now. You just, you just don't touch God's man. You don't, hey, look, you don't touch God's man physically or with your words. And he doesn't have to say a word in return because God's done promise, I'll take care of my men. You just keep preaching and I'll take care of you. Just because the brook dries up does not mean you're done. Really? Boy, I got a hold of that one time. And really. Now, let me, let me give this. We're going to move on real quick here. Because I'm going to give you what we got. Every family in this church, please do not give up your praying ground. Every man in this church ought to have a prayer closet. You ought to pray with your family as often as possible. So, well, preacher, we're too busy. Yep. You're too busy. But I could find a lot of things that you do you need to give up and give you some time. But preachers are giving up their beachhead of prayer. The devil's already took them. They don't go in the prayer closet anymore and shut the door. They just walk in and leave it open. They don't care what the devil hears. And he knows their game plan, and he's ready when they get ready. And he shuts her down. There's a wise old preacher told me one time, he said, Brother Gwen, when you get in your prayer closet, start off in Jesus' name. He said, that'll block off, that'll block off the years of the old devil. And I took it for what the man of God said. 
When I pray in my prayer closet, anywhere I pray, I said, Lord, in Jesus' name, we want to approach your throne of grace. We want, we want to tell you what's going on around here. We need some help. devil can't hear it. Why do you think he tells you to go to your prayer closet and shut the door? Because you're supposed to be in secret. And you don't shut the door with your wife or your husband in there or anybody else. It's a place you go, take care of yourself, get yourself right before God, and then when you get done and it's all settled, when you get out, God will reward you openly. Don't you worry about people. Don't you worry about nobody else. God will take care of you, folks. God will take care of you. I know. I, listen, I've been pastoring 30 years, one church, never any other church. I know God takes take care of a preacher. I know God take care of, takes care of missionaries. I know, I know God takes care of churches. I know God will honor you if you'll do what's right. Whenever I mention prayer and I say, well, how many, how many of you spent 10 minutes with God the whole week? It gets quiet. Yeah. Brother Beckham can get up in the intercessor and he'll say, have you talked to the Father today? Yeah. They done been shouting, raising their hand, running the aisle. He gets up, well, have you talked to the Father today? Yeah. Said, pretty much nobody. Yeah. Except me. Because I know what he's going to say. <laughs> I said, like, I'm going to get him this time. So me and Brother Sin and Brother Sip, we talk, we're going to pray before we go to his meeting. <laughs> so when he asked that question, hey, have you talked to the Father today? We say, yes, hey, yeah. Yeah. Have you talked to the Father today? Yeah. Oh, I like that. Now let me tell you, about a beachhead God has given us. Now, here's what happened. On my birthday last year, September the 1st, 2020, I went to Ohio. I went to the Fellowship Track League. Brother Tom Patterson had been trying to get me to go. And I didn't have time because we were taking care of my wife's mama. She passed away, then her dad got sick a week later. We were taking care of him. Just couldn't, I wanted to go, but I just couldn't get time to go. And he passed away, then my dad's sick now. And he calls, Brother Gwen, I really feel like you need to go. I said, Brother Tom, I said, I'll tell you what, just put me down. And me and Brother Zach Nick, pastor of Roanoke Baptist Church in Liberty there, he said, he's going. I said, put me down. I said, Lord willing, I'm going tomorrow. You drive up, spend a night, you view the... You, you view the track ministry, you get to box some tracks. Me and Brother uh, Nick's boxed 350,000 tracks. Broke them, banned them, boxed them. And the preacher come by and said, just think about it, Brother Gwen, your fingerprint, thumbprints are all over them tracks. Ooh, I got Holy Ghost chills. And I told Brother Nick, open top that box up. He opened it up, I said... I want the Holy Ghost. No, I had part in that box. Okay, so I started asking questions. I started watching them presses run. I mean, just like that track, just constantly. Just, I mean, you can't even see the, it's just, just flying through there. It goes up and down, up and down. It's gone, that paper. Big old rolls of paper. Big old rolls of paper. And so I was watching. And boy, I started getting a burden on my heart. Okay, 
So we did all that. We left out of there uh, about 2 o'clock, 1 or 2 o'clock, headed back this way, six and a half hour. And I questioned Brother Tom Patterson from the time we left to the time we got home. And in between that trip, we were talking about the tracks, talking about the paper, talking about this and talking about that. And he said these words to me. He said, well, Brother Gwen, y'all know what this is? Can you see? I know it's a long way off. That's a penny. That's a penny. He said, Brother Gwen, did you know just for one penny, you can buy enough paper to print five gospel tracts? I said, uh-uh. I said, Brother Tom, that can't be right. He said, it's right. One penny, you can buy enough paper, enough paper to print five gospel tracts. One complete gospel tract is three-quarters of a penny. And I said, you're kidding. I said, we can have part in that. And then he said this. He says, we, we take, oh, I said, how does this work? He said, we take orders from people every day, and we send those orders out by mail. And we have some mail centers overseas and in the United States. And I said, what's a mail center? Now, we just moved in our new building five years ago. We got the old building sitting there, and I've been praying, God, what are we going to do with that old building over there? What can we do with the building? Let's, I'd like to have a ministry or something in there. Could you let me do that? Would you trust me with that? Could we open up another beachhead over here? And I said, Brother Tom, what's, what's a mail center? And he started telling me. He said, Brother Gwen, what you do, they'll send you orders down, and you fill them orders, package them up, and the church pays for the postage and mails them out. And in return, they get to buy more paper. I said, that's what I want. Well, Brother Gwen, ain't that easy? I said, oh, yes, it is. I said, because I got an empty building, and that's what God wants me to do. So you're going to have to make it work. He said, Brother Gwen, I have to call Brother John. I said, call Brother John. He said, I said, when are you going to call him? He said, I'll call him in the morning. I said, okay, you call me as quick as you get off the phone. He called me. He said, Brother John wants to talk to you. I said, okay, what's his number? So I called him. He said, Brother Gwen, can you, can you handle this much uh, uh, per, per order? I said, brother, send me some orders. What do we got to do to get started? Send me some tracks. And I started praying. I said, God, we want to, we, and I had this, this message in my mind. I said, we want to open up this old building and have a beachhead to send out the gospel. And it just started working. I had all the shelves, preacher, I had all the shelves, the, the, the carts. I had everything before I ever had a chance to get to church and tell it to my people. And I don't even know why we voted on it, because I already had all the stuff. And that's what they said. And I said, well, we better make it legal-like. And my deacon said, I guess if you won't do that, but we're ready for bidding. We just need some tracks. So Brother John called me and said, Brother Gwen, we got 2.9 million tracks we need to get to you. How are we going to do it? I said, this building's not over here and ready to go for nothing. God to do it. They send these containers out. I was there on that Tuesday when they sent out their five billionth track. Sent it out on my birthday. My birthday, September 1st, sent all cards, 114 series, sir. 
And we got to pray over that container. Had 10,500,000 tracks in it. And there was a guy that told the fellowship track league, I'm paying for that container. And it cost thousands to send them. So we started praying. My, my deacon brother Ed started praying. He said, Preacher, I think I'm just going to go buy a new trailer and we'll make three trips up there and get them down here. I said, don't buy a trailer yet. Don't buy a trailer yet. I just feel like God, let's, let's give it a few days, let God work. Let's see what God's going to do. And it was the next day I got a telephone call and the secretary up there said, Preacher, this man that paid for the last, remember the 10 billionth track in that canal? I said, yes, man. He, he got a rebate. He got a refund because it went a different way. And she said, you know what? It's, a, it's just enough to cover a tractor trailer to send 2.9 million tracks to Easley, South Carolina. And the man said, send it down to that preacher. And I said, send them all. We're waiting on them. And we got 2.9 million tracks. And we started filling shelves up and opening them up. And we had these bins made. And, and, uh, and we got our first order. The first order was just 10 orders. It, 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 it was about, preachers, about, if I remember correctly, it's, it was about 2,500 tracks we mailed out. And I thought, boy, we're doing something. And I called her back and I, she said, well, that was just an order to get y'all started. So just the other day, we got an order in for 53, 53 orders, and it, it, 11,500 tracks. We mailed out from our mail center 11,500 tracks, paid for all of it, and that money that we paid to go on the, goes back up, they can buy paper. So we're buying paper by mailing tracks. Okay, listen to this. i got to hurry. Listen to this. I prayed for 37 years. I could not get Maryland off my heart. I could not get the place I was almost raised off my heart. I said, God, help me. I want to witness to these, these people that I went to school with. And I prayed that and prayed that and prayed that and prayed that. And then I looked on Facebook one day, and a good friend of mine, I mean, we were close. His daughter had something on her said, my dad is at the point of death, Brian Rabasco. I thought, oh, man. And he was up in Kentucky. And so I found out where he was. I found out if I, if I went up there, could I get in with COVID? And they said, we'll let you go to the window. And I just wanted him to see me so I could pray with him. He told me years ago, he said, you know what you're going to be when you grow up? I said, what? He said, a preacher. I said, you're crazy. You've lost your mind, boy. I wanted him to know who I was and what God had done for me. But he died before I could get up there. And I, and I told Kathy, I said, I missed it. I missed God. I missed it. I should have left the day before trying to be sensitive to the Holy Ghost. She said, honey, God take care of it. You didn't do it on purpose. I said, Kathy, I could have, I could have left yesterday. And we had to, to be in another meeting. And I said, Kathy, we're going to this meeting and they're going to have his service and I'm going to miss it. And I said, God, please put that service off. Now listen to this. The family went to the funeral home to make the arrangements. They put it on that Saturday. I was going to be out of town. I said, I'm going to miss it. Then it wasn't no time I got a little messenger thing. 
It said, change of plans on dad's service. They double booked at the funeral home, two families, and we agreed to go ahead and be the one to take the next Saturday. I told Kathy, if it's God's will, me go, Maryland. Now I pray God let me be effective, let me talk to these people, let me, would you please do something? And I got up there and I was ready to preach the funeral. If they didn't have a preacher, I was gonna, I was gonna testify, preach. You ever done that? Well, they had a man of God there, Brother Jason Baxter. And he started doing the funeral. I mean, right down the line. King James Bible gave plan of salvation. Wonderful. And then I spoke up at the end and told how me and Brian met and all this, and got to take the whole family out. I took them all out, the, the whole family. Took them, I don't even remember where we went, Garden Olive? Olive Garden, that sounds better. We went, to the, we went there, and I, bought, I said, I want to take your whole family out and buy your supper. She said, the whole family? I said, yes, ma'am. The whole family? I said, yes, ma'am. Would y'all let me do that? Yes, we will. I said, our church wants to do that. So I got to talk to all Brian's. I got to talk to his, his daughter, his nieces, his, his nephews, and, 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 and all of them through a funeral. So I get all that done. I start getting texts or, or messages. I don't know what it is. That little messenger thing. And people were saying, thank you for coming to Maryland. Thank you, thank you, thank you. When I die, I want you to do my funeral. When I die, I want you to do my funeral. And I'd text back, I'd say, let's just pray Jesus is coming. Nobody has to do nobody's funeral. And, and these are older people. These are 20 years my senior now. Just talked to one today. And she said, preacher, I'm serious. I've already told my family when I pass away, if Jesus don't come by, because she knew what I was going to say. If, if, it, if I go by way of the grave, I done told my family to pay to have you brought up here and do my, I said, I said ma'am, I am, I am not cheap. I said, I'll tell you what, I'm going to be here anyway. I'll just go ahead and do it. If, if, God, if God wants to do that. So you see what's happening? What, my prayer's starting to be answered, Brother Chad, you see it? And so listen, we start getting those tracks in. We start getting those tracks in. And I start looking at the states. And I'm going down the line. And boom. This ministry wants tracks. From Dunkirk, Maryland. I shouted. Preacher Rocky said, Preacher, what is wrong with you? I said, come here, read this paper. And I circled it. He said, praise God. I got to pack up 800 different tracks and send them postage paid free to Dunkirk, Maryland. Our church. And God is working now. I feel like I'm going to be making a lot of trips to Maryland. That's my prayer. Amen. I told my deacon, I, he's our trust. Don't you worry about gas. Don't you, I, God take care of that. I know our church can't afford all this. I said, but God will take care of that. I was at a meeting last night, tent meeting, and a Mexican guy come up to me and handed me $50. He said, that's for gas. And he, all he wanted, he said, can you give me a sample pack of Spanish? I said, yes, sir. One guy him a sample pack. Brother Bailey, you know what he done? He sat there and looked. He said, these are beautiful. 
He opened the rubber band. He started looking. He said, these are beautiful. And he started crying. He said, preacher, can I afford these? I said, yes, sir. I said, how many do you need? He said, oh, I don't, I said, how much? I, I said, free. Oh, preacher, I, I said, free. Free. I'll send you 500. I'll send you 1,000. I'll send you 10,000 if you can use them at no cost. Fellowship Track League started in 1978. Every day since, there's been a salvation uh, testimony coming in the mail. There's never been a day that salvation testimony track didn't come in with it signed on the back. The power of a penny. Let me read this testimony to you, and I'm done. That talk about the power of a gospel track. Talk about the power of a beachhead. Now we have, God has allowed us to have. Since we started, everybody voted on it. After we voted on it, got it started, 17 left. I told our people we ain't concentrating on 17. We're concentrating on the world, on the United States. Because we're going to be Melanese all over the United States. But listen to this. <clears throat> Dear Pastor, you do not know me, but I want to send you and your kind church my thank you for a miracle coming to my life very recently. I am a retired physician, having served in Israel for almost 30 years. Listen to this. This is his testimony. He typed this. My wife and children were killed in a school bus bombing in Jerusalem, which left me a broken-hearted person. I left Israel and came to Hawaii, where I served prior in the war, hoping to find some measure of peace in my life. But I did not find this peace, did not find this rest for my soul. Although not an alcoholic or any other kind of addict, I sought peace through the bottle and other unfulfilling means. To make it short, last week I gave up on ever having a happy, normal life again, even though I am not yet 60. I contemplated suicide very seriously. I had nothing to live for anymore. After 30 years of serving humanity in a successful practice, I felt that I was all alone and un unwilling to go on uh, for, even, or, or for another day. Life had become meaningless and void. I was unable to do for myself what, what, a, what I was trained to do for others. He was a psychiatrist. I went as far as to plan out my death where it would cause uh, the least uh, commotion or bring about uh, embarrassment to others. I walked down to the local beach to sit and contemplate one last time. Then the miracle happened. As a gold-colored piece of paper blew my way and came to rest against my leg, I picked it up and read the front cover. Something made me turn the page and read on. Gospel track. Pastor, before I knew it, I realized that I was reading the plan of salvation from the Bible. What he put? As I was reading the scriptures, a warmth came over me, and I, and I felt like praying. Okay, and I followed the, what the pamphlet said, and I prayed. Confessed my sins and asked Jesus to save me right then. I can never explain the elevation and the wonderfulness of what was, was happening to me. After a few moments, I could sense that God had 
come into my life, me a Jew, and psychiatrist at that. I found the answer that day. That very day on the beach, now I serve him, and, I, and, and, to be, and I'm going to be faithful in all things, to spend my remaining life, my, my, my remaining life with Jesus, a name I was taught to hate. Okay, he was taught to hate is, is life's greatest goal and determination. Already I feel a call upon my life. There are so many former patients I was not able to help, but I know that there 